You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. This week's intro, like me this week, is a little all over the place. Because, like the country, I'm having a weird one. Also having a weird one this week, Ariana and Ethan. Ethan Slater is the Broadway star who just left his wife for the international pop star Ariana Grande, whom he met while they were filming Wicked together. Let me get this out of the way. I know who Ariana Grande is. I don't know her music. I'm not even sure if her last name is pronounced Grand or Grande. But like I said about Taylor Swift, me not knowing her music is no comment on its quality. I am not hating. I am too busy standing Vicky and Shirley and Edie to hate on Ariana or Taylor or Beyonce. Vicky Carr, Shirley Basie, Edie Gourmet. Anyway, it's not every day that a hot pop star falls in love with a, what you might call, unconventionally attractive Broadway star. The news of Ariana and Ethan's romance had literally just broken, and Ethan had just filed for divorce from his wife, who had just given birth to their first child, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and predict their only child, when Pop Crave, the celebrity news and gossip site, blew up the internet on Friday with a picture of Ethan. Slater was in a baby bonnet and a bib, sitting in a crib, holding a large baby bottle. Pop Crave's caption read, Ethan Slater in new photo. That cryptic post made it sound like Pop Crave was sharing a leaked photograph, something we weren't supposed to see, something hacked, something private. The implication, on top of not being hot enough for Ariana Grande, which is what everyone's been saying about Slater all week, Ethan's weird, kinky weird, sex weird, ABDL weird, adult baby diaper lover weird. I took one look at that photo and I instantly knew Slater was not in adult baby fetish wear. I have seen adult baby fetish wear. I have seen adult baby fetishists in the wild and actual adult baby slash diaper lover wear looks nothing like what Slater was wearing in that photograph. And as it turns out, Slater's phone was not hacked. It's a press photo. Slater's on Broadway right now in the revival of Spamalot, and there's a scene in which he plays a baby in a carriage in a baby bonnet. So, a shitty husband and bad dad, at least out of the gate, he has decades to make it up to his kid, maybe. But an adult baby? I want to say no, but he might be. Anybody could be. You could be. I could be. I'm not. You can hear me shift in my seat on this show every once in a while. You've never heard my pants crinkle. But that photo isn't proof that Ethan Slater is an adult baby weirdo. And hey, if you see a man in a baby costume, a clearly comic baby costume, and your mind immediately goes there to ABDL, then you're the weirdo. Speaking of piss weirdos, and we weren't actually speaking of piss weirdos, we were speaking of adult baby weirdos, but where adult baby weirdos in diapers go, piss follows or Lowe's, I'm going to run with this segue. Speaking of piss weirdos, Donald Trump had a rally last weekend in a high school auditorium in Iowa with children in the room, high school students in the crowd, where Trump said this. It's not true. 
Actually, that one she didn't believe because she said he's a germaphobe. He's not into that, you know? He's not into golden showers, as they say they call them. He's not. I don't like that idea. No, I didn't. I thought that would be a big problem. I was going to have a rough night, but that one she was very good on. She said, no. It's true. This is a man who has been pissed on. Trump, of course, is referring here to the P-tape. Won't you please join me on this trip down repressed memory lane, the P-tape, which we haven't seen, was mentioned first in the Steele dossier way, way back in 2015 or 2016. There were rumors the Russians had video of Trump in a hotel room in Moscow getting pissed on or pissed near by a bunch of Russian hookers. Most of us forgot about the P-tape, but Trump went and brought up golden showers in a speech in front of a bunch of high school kids in Iowa, which I would go to jail for? A speech the New York Times described like this. Mr. Trump's speech, New York Times political correspondent Michael Gold wrote, covered issues including energy, foreign policy, and criminal justice with an Iowa frame, suggesting a subtle shift in his campaign's approach to the Republican primary. If you wanted to find an example of the political press bending over backwards to normalize Trump, to make him seem like a normal politician doing normal politician things, like giving a normal stump speech in a high school auditorium in Iowa, you would be hard-pressed to find a better example than the New York Times write-up of Trump's Golden Showers speech. Now, in fairness to Gold and the New York Times, Gold does mention Trump's comments about the P-tape But in the last paragraph of his story, missing an opportunity to acquaint voters who are just starting to pay attention and will not read to the end of the story with just how crazy Trump is, you could say the New York Times pissed away that opportunity. As for Trump's comments, as for his denials, he argues that being a germaphobe, which we only have his word to go on, proves he couldn't possibly be into piss. I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think it's dispositive. Lots of loud homophobes dream of having their faces fucked by dudes, after all. So there are, we can assume, we can infer, loud germaphobes out there who are into doing filthy shit. Now, I am not suggesting that everyone with a phobia is attracted to the thing they're afraid of. I'm not suggesting that arachnophobes secretly want to make out with spiders or agoraphobes secretly want to be tag-teamed by wide-open spaces, but when a phobia intersects with loud claims of disinterest or disgust, when a phobe doth protest too much, in that intersection you will find public homophobes choking on cock and public germaphobes guzzling hooker piss. Anyway, back to me. Like I said at the top of this very weird introduction, I am having a weird one this week. Not just because Donald Trump forced me to think about his P-tape that definitely exists out there somewhere and that we will definitely see one day. The collapse of the Soviet Union led to the release of a lot of secret files kept during the Cold War. The collapse of the Putin regime will one day result in the release of the P-tape. I am convinced of it. Anyway, Thanksgiving is the day after tomorrow. I hope you have a good one. If you're one of my Canadian listeners, I hope you had a good one. Your Thanksgiving was last month. And if you're one of my European listeners, I hope you have a nice Thursday. Me, I'm going to have a weird one. I'm not going to be home for Thanksgiving this year. You don't have to feel sorry for me. I am with someone I love. I'm just not surrounded by all of the people that I love. 
It was a choice I made. It wasn't imposed on me. But when you have to choose between being here or being there, and they're both great places to be, filled with people you love, you're allowed to feel sad about what and who you're missing. If you're having a weird Thanksgiving, like I am, my heart goes out to you. My advice, embrace it. If you're alone, go out. Find a place that's open on Thanksgiving, maybe a place that isn't serving Thanksgiving dinner, and have a feast of your own. Sometimes when you're having a weird one, it helps to be around other people who are also having a weird one. I'm not alone this Thanksgiving, but there have been times in my life when I was alone on holidays, important days, birthdays. And I always found that being alone with other people who were also alone, even if we weren't talking to each other, just being alone together made me feel less alone. And hey, if you can swing it, pick up someone's check just for the fuck of it. That'll remind you to be thankful that you can swing it and it'll give the person whose check you picked up something to be thankful for, namely you. All right, coming up on today's show on the micro, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and on the magnum, Savage Lovecast, marriage and family therapist, Vienna Farron. Vienna Farron is the author of the book Origins of You, and she just launched her own podcast, This Keeps Happening. We talked about evil grandmothers. I used to have one of those, how to deal with a mom who isn't supportive, and what to do when your partner excludes you from her friend group. This is all on the Magnum version of the show, which you can try for just $8 a month. For that eight bucks, you'll get the Magnum version of the Lovecast, which has more calls, more guests, guests like Vienna Farron, and no ads. You'll also get Sex and Politics, my bonus podcast just for Magnum subs, along with Struggle Session, where I discuss, clap back, and argue with my readers and listeners, and more. You can subscribe yourself or gift a subscription, or hey, do both right now at savage.love. All right, let's get to this week's show. This episode is brought to you by Field, a dating app where the open-minded can meet the like-minded. Download Field for free and get access to a free month of Majestic membership by going to feeld.co slash savage. Want to bring the heat back to your relationship? Get the spark back in your love life? Well, Liberator can help you do just that. They've got an amazing amount of shapes and other products that fuel your desires and make sex easier, better, and last longer. Use the promo code SAVAGE to save 40% off their best-selling wedge ramp combo. Liberator wants better sex for everybody, and that starts with you. This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, the very best tool for trimming your body hair. Go to meridiangrooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. Hi, Dan, Savage Podcast. I'm a 35-year-old female with a question about a former fling. I was messing around with a married man for about a year. It started out with just BJs for a long time, but recently we started to have sex. The weird thing was when we were doing it, we could keep his eyes closed and didn't really want me to talk. At one point I had said, come to me, and he covered my mouth. I asked him why, but didn't get really a response. He just kind of changed the subject. I broke it off because of my guilt and his unavailability. My question is, what was that? And was he picturing someone else? I don't know what that was, but it sure sounds unpleasant. There are probably people out there who might be turned on by having sex with a person who kept their eyes shut the whole time and demanded that they remain silent. 
and if they did speak during sex, would clamp a hand over their mouth. You aren't one of those people. Now, there may be somebody out there listening right now who would be into that, being treated like that by a sex partner. Generally, people with more interesting, unique, kinky tastes are overrepresented in the Savage Lovecast listener family. But that wasn't something you enjoyed. And it isn't something I could tell you what the fuck was going on in his head when he did that. Was he picturing someone else? Maybe. Was he imagining you were a guy and you speaking or having to look at you would shatter that illusion? Possibly. I don't know what was going on between his ears at that precise moment. Maybe he was struggling with guilt and the way he self-soothed for the guilt was to pretend that the person he was having sex with was his wife, the person that he is supposed to be having sex with. And he had to close his eyes and pretend you were his wife. That is usually not something a married person does when they close their eyes during sex. Usually a married person who closes their eyes during sex is having sex with their spouse and imagining it's somebody else. Anyway, I, I don't know what the fuck was going on or whether he was picturing someone else and you're never going to know it either. It's going to be one of those mysteries that you have to carry around with you for the rest of your life. We've all had sex partners, even relationships with people where they behaved in a certain way or did a certain thing during sex that made no sense. And even if we had the kind of relationship with that person where we could ask those penetrating follow-up questions, we never got an explanation either because they couldn't explain it to themselves or to anybody else, or it was something that they knew exactly what they were doing or feeling or why they were doing a certain thing during sex, why it gave them pleasure, what they were thinking, but they didn't want to share it with us for fear of being judged or shamed or rejected. And then, yeah, you walk around for the rest of your life thinking every once in a while, huh, what the fuck was that about? But I'm really glad you're not fucking this guy anymore because somebody who won't look at you and doesn't want you to make a sound and clamps a hand over your mouth during sex, if you say something, if that's not how you enjoy being treated, that's not a person that you should fuck ever again, whether they're married or not. Hi, Dan. I'm a pansexual cis female in her mid-30s, and I started sleeping with a new male sex partner about two months ago in August. He's super GGG, awesome human being. Our sex is so fire. Um, we started out using condoms and then had the discussion about having unprotected sex pretty early on. And for me, that requires us both having a negative STI test as well as agreeing to use condoms if and when we sleep with anyone else. Though neither of us had any other um, reported concurrent sexual partners at the time. He was super receptive to that. He got tested by his doctor, but results took like four weeks to come back. So during that time, we continued to diligently use condoms and sort of building suspense, doing all the right things, uh, at least so we thought. He gets his results back negative, and then we have unprotected sex. And a week later, I get what I think are UTI symptoms but I test positive for both a UTI and gonorrhea. The last test I had had was a month prior in July after my last partner, at which point he and I both tested negative for all STIs, and I hadn't been with anyone since until this new fire dude 
though I did use a new Kegel weight, so it's possible I didn't wash it thoroughly enough, and my vibrator, which was not exposed to anyone else. My question is, how did we both test negative and then I get gonorrhea anyway? During that month of waiting, he says he wasn't with anyone else, and I do trust him to be safe even if he was. Maybe that's naive. I don't know. I know gonorrhea can hang around without symptoms, and I know urine tests aren't the most reliable. What do you think happened here? Side note, should I throw out my vibrator and all exposed toys? This recently came up uh, in struggle sessions, somebody coming down with gonorrhea mysteriously, and the answer seemed obvious to a couple of physicians and nurse practitioners who wrote in. When we go in for gonorrhea tests, typically, most doctors, they test our genitals, our vagina, our penis. They do the penile swab or the urine test that they don't test our throats and gonorrhea can live in your throat. So you guys did everything right. You got tested, but did you get the right tests? And did you get all of the tests? Did you get a full screening? Not just of dick and pussy, but also of ass if you have butt sex and throat if you have oral sex. Gonorrhea can live in your throat. It could live in his throat. So if he tested negative for gonorrhea in his genitals, didn't have it in his dick, but the doctor where he got his STI screening didn't swab his throat, the gonorrhea could have been hiding there. And then when this guy who is fire sex did what all guys with female partners who are fire sex do and ate your pussy and went down on you, that's where this exposure could have possibly, most likely, Occam's razor, this shit, probably that's the transmission route here. The gonorrhea made the jump from an oral infection in him to a genital infection in you. So he needs to go back to the doctor, assuming he didn't get treated for gonorrhea after you came down with gonorrhea and got treated. I hope he got treated. But if he didn't get treated, he needs to get an oral swab and get tested orally for oral gonorrhea. And then... When you guys start fucking around with other people and using condoms, if you're not using latex barriers for oral sex, the next time you do an STI screening, if your doctor isn't competent enough, I I made a mistake when I brought this up on the show last time because I just assumed everyone when they went for an STI screening also got an oral and rectal swab because my doctor just fucking does that. If your doctor, the person doing your STI screening doesn't also offer or insist on an oral swab, an erectile swab, if you're doing the butt stuff, you need to insist. Otherwise, you haven't been fully tested for gonorrhea and syphilis, which can also live in your throat. So gonorrhea doesn't live on surfaces outside the body for very long. You should be cleaning your kegel weight and your sex toys. You should buy quality sex toys, the kinds that you can throw into the dishwasher or boil on the stove and really sterilize, but they weren't the source of this infection. My money is on. I am 100% certain that your boyfriend's throat was the source of this infection. Don't throw your toys away. Don't throw him away. Just the next time you guys get tested, get everything tested. This episode is sponsored by Field. As it turns out, people do change. It happens all the time on Field, a dating app for the curious. 
Radical transformation is so common there, there's a term for it, the field effect. And the proof is in the stats. 62% of field members evolve their sexuality, their interests and desires within their first year on the app. 181,000 people change their sexuality within their first year on field. 57% of those who change their sexuality become less straight. 58% of people become more curious about the concept of GGG, good giving and game. And in 2023, interest in switches went up by a fifth. Why do so many stories of transformation run through the field community? Whether online or IRL, this space draws open-minded people. The openness is also right there in the stats. One in two people on field have a kink. 80% of people on field believe good things come in threes. As in MMFs, FFMs, MFMs, and MMMs. To be specific, this means male, male, female, three ways, female, female, male, three ways, and so on. You get the idea. More than half of straight people are chatting with people who aren't straight on field. If you're not entirely sure, if you've ever questioned, wondered, or fantasized, field is the place where you can freely explore your desires, where you don't have to know, where you can be open to finding out. And in the process, finding your youest you, just as so many other members of this community already have. Curious? For a limited time, receive a free month of Majestic membership when you download the app as a new member. Just go to field.co slash savage to access your free month of Majestic membership. That's F-E-E-L-D dot C-O slash savage. In search of others, find yourself. Hi, Dan. I'm a 54-year-old straight male. I've been in a monogamous marriage for the last seven years. We began together for 10. My wife recently dropped a bomb on me that she's felt disconnected from me for at least the last year and is unhappy and that she's not sure she wants to uh, continue. Scared and confused. I told her I absolutely want to do any scary or difficult thing to stay married. She says it might be too little and too late. She says she loves me, but isn't in love with me. A, how is this such a surprise to me? And even more, what does that even mean? I'm really sorry you're going through this. I'm really sorry that you are in so much pain right now. I want to answer both your questions. A, how is this such a surprise to you? Well, you never really know what's going on inside someone else. You never really know fully what's going on even inside your own marriage because you can't know the thoughts, the secrets, the pain even of the person who you believe to be closest to you in your life, a person that you would hope at any time could come to you and open up about how they're feeling and whether they're feeling that something is lacking in the relationship. How did this come as a surprise to you? Well, it could be that your wife has gone through the motions in such a way that there was nothing for you to pick up on. There were no clues, no hints. It could be, and maybe you two can talk about this in couples counseling. It seems to me that if you marry someone, even if you intend to end the relationship and exit the marriage, you owe them 
a little bit of couples counseling, even if in your own head it's a kind of exit interview, maybe you were taking her for granted in ways. Maybe there are things that you weren't aware that you were doing wrong that were landing wrong, that were hitting her in the wrong way or negatively impacting her. Or maybe as it sometimes just happens, she fell out of love with you, out of that romantic love that people refer to when they talk about being in love. And she still loves you and respects you and wants the best for you, but doesn't want to be with you anymore. And you don't actually know yet whether she doesn't want to be with you anymore. And just as you can't know someone else's mind, sometimes we don't know our own minds. And it's possible that your wife has said something to you not to blow up this marriage so that she can get out of it, not to blow a hole in the wall that she can escape through, but to blow up the status quo, to unblock whatever it is that's damming up your marriage in a, such a way that your wife is unhappy in it. You know, sometimes people say, I love you, but I'm not sure. I'm not in love with you anymore to shock the system to, you know, scream clear and put the paddles on <laughs> the body and maybe shock it back to life. And if you're hurting this way and you sound like you're hurting, I assume that you don't want this marriage to end. It's not over yet. You don't need someone's permission to leave them. Your wife doesn't need your consent to end this relationship or exit this marriage. But she hasn't told you that that's what she wants to do. You've only been with each other for 10 years. It is possible that your wife's feelings for you have changed in such a way that she's misinterpreting the, the, the alteration in those feelings as falling out of love when actually what we sometimes do in long, long-term relationships when you get up there into the double digits we love less passionately. We love the, the love that we feel. It goes from a romantic kind of love, transitions to a more familial kind of love. Sometimes I've referred to it as the siblingification of a long-term relationship. And that passionate intensity that you experienced early in the relationship, it changes over time into a new kind of a different kind of love that I sometimes think people misinterpret as not being in love anymore, as opposed to the love that you've been in is just felt differently now. And if you can stand back and look at it and appreciate it for what it is now, and also appreciate that what it was in the first year or two, it can't be forever and won't be with some future partner to be named later. And so the, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. That existential fucking nightmare position. I think almost everyone in a mega ass long-term relationship lands there. It doesn't mean they necessarily stay there and it doesn't mean you can't get past this and it doesn't mean you can't stay married. But I often feel that people misdiagnose love changing as it does inevitably over the long term in a romantic relationship for love dying or expiring somehow. And that if you love someone, if you love a spouse differently 10, 20 years in than you did 10 weeks in or 20 months in, 
that you don't love them at all anymore, that that difference that we can perceive is somehow a, a sign that the love has died. And maybe it hasn't, maybe it just, you know, maybe it still has a pulse, but you can have to check a different wrist or it has a different kind of pulse because it's a different kind of love. Here on the Savage Lovecast, we're always talking about ways to improve your sex life and your relationships. There is no better way to literally deepen your connection and get creative in the bedroom than by adding Liberator to your erotic playground. You want a sexual sanctuary where sex is more comfortable, where your desires know no boundaries, and where your bedroom becomes the playground of your dreams? That's the kind of pleasure Liberator brings to the table, or the mattress, or the floor, or the dungeon. That's why Liberator has been hailed as the greatest invention for sex since the bed. If you're tired of the same old, same old, and you're craving new ways to get intimate, Liberator sexual positioning shapes and love loungers are what you need. And Liberator has everything for your bedroom, including bondage accessories and squirt-proof throws, plus a curated collection of trending sex toys and innovative toy mounts. Liberator right now is giving 40% off their best-selling wedge ramp combo to our listeners just for being our listeners. Act fast. Use the promo code SAVAGE on their website. A million satisfied customers and growing speaks volumes about these sex positioning shapes. They've got all the goods for greater stamina and deeper penetration with dense support and exceptional comfort. Deck out your sex room or your bedroom right now by heading on over to liberator.com to check it out and use the promo code SAVAGE to get 40% off their best-selling wedge ramp combo. Liberator is the ultimate bedroom adventure gear and a proud sponsor of the Savage Lovecast. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a woman in my early 30s. I have something this guy who's wonderful in pretty much every way except sometimes i struggle a little bit with attraction to him which is possibly um due to my avoidant tendencies i don't really tend to be attracted to people who are available so i don't know if this plays into it but my issue is that when we're together you know how couples do things that are kind of cute to each other like make little cute sounds or have like a cute language so I do this with every relationship I have, and I know that when I do these little cutisms, he, he finds it cute. However, when he does the same ones, it's it's not cute at all. He puts a kind of spin on it where it just, I think the only way I can do this is to imitate it. So basically I'd be like, meh, or like, meh, like cute little sounds. I mean, in my opinion, obviously everyone has their own thing. But then when he does it, it's like, meh, like, meh. And it just is so weird. I've got, I've tried talking to him about this once before, being like, hey, like I don't find it super cute when you do that. But honestly, it ruins a lot of our otherwise cute cuddle moments because he'll make these sounds and it just turns me off and makes me struggle with the idea of being with him long term if he's always going to be like this. Is this a case of both of us being right and maybe just a compatibility thing? Or would it be fair for me to ask him to maybe dial it back a little bit when we're cuddling? It seems weird to try and change him. I'm just going to set aside my doubts here and assume that when you make these little squeaks and squawks, it is adorable and that you're right. When he makes these little squeaks and squawks, 
these cutisms or attempts to make cutisms like the cutisms you've been making at him, it's annoying as fuck. All right, well, what do you do? Well, if you tell yourself you're never allowed to ask somebody that you're dating to make a tiny tweak, adjustment, a tiny little change, eventually this thing is going to annoy you so much that you're going to end this relationship. It's going to get under your skin to the extent where you're already having trouble tapping into what it is you find attractive about this person because of your avoidant personality, avoidant relationship style. And this is clearly getting in the way. You may even be heaping up significance on this simple act and your inability to ask him to make a little change here in order to facilitate the avoidant part of your personality and sabotage this relationship. So I would encourage you to err on the side of telling him to knock that shit off and maybe mutually disarming by knocking this shit off yourself, by not assuming that, you know, it's so adorable when you do it and so annoying when he does it. And the only solution is for him to stop. Maybe the solution is for both of you to knock this fucking shit off for you to lead by example that you're going to make this little change. You're going to stop doing this little, you know, verbal tick of yours when you're cuddling and saying these little things in exchange for him knocking this shit the fuck off too, because it's annoying you. The bigger question here, of course, is what changes are we allowed to ask our partners to make for our comfort? And people will say things like, Honesty is the best policy. And that's mostly true. And people will say things like, you shouldn't have to change for someone. And someone who loves you should never ask you to change anything about who you are. And then you actually get into a relationship. And a lot of what being in a relationship in the early stages is about is asking for minor adjustments, tweaks, changes that aren't about, you know, altering body shape, body sizes, getting tit implants, cutting friends out. Not like that, but like, you know, the toilet paper needs to go over the roll or under the roll or your empty beer can collection that you inherited from your uncle isn't how I would like the living room decorated, even though that may be what you've had in your living room all your life. For me, maybe we could make a different decorative choice for the living room wall. These kinds of negotiations, this kind of give and take, I'll make this little change, you make that little change. That's part of what being in a relationship is about. And you're not asking him to cut off his right hand. You're asking him not to make these icky, awkward grunts and squeaks when you're cuddling because it throws you out of it. And it isn't having the intended effect. He's doing these things in the hopes that it is somehow endearing to you. And it is not endearing to you. Not to get all conspiracy-minded here, but I have a theory that maybe he's as annoyed by your squeaking and squawking as you are by his, and he may be putting a little extra annoying spin on his squeaking and squawking on these cutisms to discredit them to get it over to you that adults don't make these little squeaks and squawks when they're cuddling. And maybe he's being an annoying shit about this in the hopes that you'll both have to stop 
This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, my new favorite tool for shaving down there. Meridian offers powerful trimmers that cut through even the coarsest hair, but their trimmers are gentle enough for your privates. You'll enjoy a comfortable shave below the belt with no nicks, cuts, or ingrowns. Meridian trimmers are for men, they're for women, they're for non-binary folks, and they're for any style, whether you prefer completely bare, neatly trimmed scruff, or a well-rounded bush. This high-quality waterproof trimmer is fitted with a 6,000 RPM motor, safe ceramic blades, and an anti-nick shaving guard. And Meridian has so many happy customers, over 1,000 five-star reviews online. With the Meridian trimmer, you can get your body hair looking just how you like it and feel good and sexy with your fuzz. Get a Meridian trimmer today for the ultimate trimming experience without the pain, discomfort, or awkwardness. Order now and take control of your grooming routine on your own terms. Listeners of the Savage Lovecast get an extra 15% off your order using the coupon code SAVAGE. Go to M-E-R-I-D-I-A-N grooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. You deserve a better and safer below-the-belt trimming experience, and with Meridian Trimmer, you can get one today. Hey, Dan. I've been in a relationship for about a year and a half with my girlfriend, and uh, the relationship is generally great. We have good communication. We're having a fun, healthy time together. But the biggest sort of lingering issue is just that we have a very different outlook for what we want the future of our lives to be like. She's like 100% clear she absolutely does not want to have a family or to have kids. And I lean, I could go both ways, but I lean more towards wanting that. We've discussed it before, and it's always been a healthy conversation. We kind of most recently landed on these sort of three proposals. One is that we could break up uh, so that I had the space to look for a different you know, partner that might be more suited for the long-term goals. Or we could stay together and just revisit this every so often and see how we're feeling about it. Or she proposed opening up the relationship so that I would have space to meet somebody else, even though it's not really the thing that she wants. And I don't really like that idea. I'm not wanting her to be a pud or something like that. So it's not really on the table for me. And I think that in my mind, there's this like de-escalation that I could do, even though it's not like a poly relationship where we would still be able to spend time with each other and know each other, but not be, you know, as monogamously and formally committed to each other. But I'm a little bit scared and I don't really know what the right decision to do is because I love her and I love our time together. It's a great, it's my healthiest relationship in terms of just communication that I've ever had. And I don't want to throw that away, but I also don't want to sort of uh, ignore the needs of maybe, or the desires of like a future self. For context, I'm 37, so I'm, I think about this now. And so, I don't know, I would just love any thoughts that you have on the situation. Your girlfriend doesn't want to have children, you want to have children. Your girlfriend also doesn't want the relationship to be open. She doesn't want to feel downgraded. And that's how some people feel when their partners talk about opening a relationship, when there's an important life goal, like having children. That isn't possible with you. And so your partner asks to open the relationship so they can pursue that very important entangling life goal with another romantic partner. Yeah, someone who feels the way your girlfriend feels about the kind of emotional primacy and exclusivity that she wants out of her committed sexual romantic relationship 
that's going to feel, again, like a downgrade, a significant downgrade. And so what do you do? You maybe sort of kind of think you want kids, but you want her. She doesn't want to share you emotionally, sexually, romantically with someone else, doesn't want kids. Have you heard of lesbians? There are a lot of lesbians out there who are in relationships with other women, with other lesbians, who would like to have kids. There are lots of unique and different ways now to form families and finding a woman who'd be okay with the fact that you were already in a relationship with another woman who didn't want kids and you were seeking a second partner to have a kid with and juggle those relationships, relationship with your original nesting partner or primary partner or previous partner, now downgraded perhaps, and your new girlfriend to be named later who's fine with, that seems to me like a bigger lift, a more unrealistic expectation from the universe. In fact, if that's what you go out there seeking to find, and you told me about it, if we were friends, and we are friends, you're a Magnum sub, all my Magnum subs are my friends. If that was your solution, I would read into that a subconscious desire not to solve this problem. That the solution was to create an imaginary potential future girlfriend who most likely didn't exist or that you wouldn't find. And even if you found women who were open to what you were proposing, then finding in that tiny pile of women, a woman that you were emotionally, socially, sexually compatible with and who got along with your other partner, so many bars to clear. You know, it seems a simpler situation, a, a simpler setup or circumstance still challenging, but more realistic, find a lesbian couple who wants a known sperm donor to be involved in the lives of their children. You know, that dad, you're the only dad, you would be acknowledged as the father, but the role you would play more glorified uncle and child care backup plan. Maybe your girlfriend isn't interested in having the full-time exhausting relay race responsibility of raising children, but being adjacent to the children you're raising part-time, being an aunt to your kids whose primary care is in the hands of the lesbian couple who lives down the street, next town over, short drive or flight away, kids who come to see you at holidays, kids that you get to go visit sometimes with your original primary partner who gets to swan around being the glamorous anti-mame auntie every once in a while, bestowing gifts and not having to change diapers and getting the fuck out of there and going home to carpets that aren't covered in Lego pieces. That might be something that would appeal to your girlfriend. And I think finding that lesbian couple at your age with what it is that you want out of life now might be an easier lift than finding the single woman who wants kids and wants you and that you want back and who's fine with you having a girlfriend from a previous life who's still in your life, who's still your girlfriend. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, I want to share a couple of comments about last week's show posted at savage.love about the caller whose sister was cock blocking him. The caller had set his sister up with friends of his in the past, but the one time he wanted to date a friend of his sister's, she said, absolutely not. John H. writes, 
Why, caller, would you entertain a hypocritical standard like your sister's in the first place instead of telling her to fuck off the first time she tried to exercise a veto on whom you can date? That call made me wonder if this was a seriously dysfunctional household in which they grew up. A listener had some advice for the woman who called in wondering about what prep for anal sex entailed. Said Nick, gay guy here, learning how to have anal sex takes time. I tried douching. It made anal sex painful. Over time, I learned to listen to my body instead and only have anal sex when naturally ready. Diet is everything. Eating the right foods, not starving myself, fiber supplements occasionally. I only have an accident once a year or so. And it's usually when I choose horniness over listening to my body. Meanwhile, over on Blue Sky, still on the subject of anal, joeblue.bluesky.social has been, well, not live tweeting the shows, live bluing, live skying. Anyway, Joe Blue listens to the show every week and posts his thoughts about the calls and my answers at Blue Sky. He heard the call about anal sex prep and blued or skied something I wished I'd said and told Joe Blue I was going to steal. Poop will always be part of the anal sex risk matrix. Sometimes shit happens, a good partner shrugs it off and focuses on the pleasure. Finding a good partner is better than power washing your rectum every time. Oh my God, the anal sex risk matrix. I could not have said that better myself. In fact, I have never said it better myself. Thank you so much for that. Joe Blue. Thank you to everybody for all of your comments and skies and threads and yes, still even tweets about the show. For more listener comments and more of my responses to those listener comments, check out Struggle Session, a weekly bonus column exclusively for Savage Lovecast Magnum subs, which goes up every Thursday at savage.love. For all the perks, become my sub right now at savage.love slash subscribe. And now listener response calls. Hey Dan, preschool teacher here, and it is a pet peeve of mine when adults caring for young children carry on with adult conversations like the children are not even there. And these conversations are super inappropriate to have around students that you're supposed to be using your language and your energy and focus to care for them and not have inappropriate conversations. So I think the best fix is for her to tell this co-teacher that she's not comfortable talking about these subjects in front of the students. I think that will be a great way to get out of having the conversations, and it will also help them both be better teachers. Hi, Dan. I was very surprised that there were no response calls to the guy who was trying to get his wife to admit her sexual fantasies. I think that it's possible that she does have sexual fantasies. She just wants to keep them private, which she has every right to do. And she is probably just trying to save face by saying she doesn't have any fantasies. But I think that is actually a boundary that he should fuck off about. Dan, responding to the caller who was wondering how to prep for anal sex. Don't forget, if you're willing to let your partner put their finger or penis in your ass, there is nothing wrong with putting your own finger in your own ass. It's probably cleaner than you think, especially if you have formed stools and you poop fairly regularly. 
Some people have really pasty, sticky poops and poop five times a day. And yeah, they might have a harder time getting their butt clean. But the best way to figure out what's going in your on in your butt, stick your own finger in it, use lube. If you think it's okay to let somebody else put their finger there, it's definitely okay to put your own finger there. Explore, take a feel. Your butt's probably cleaner than you think. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? You can record your question or your comment at savage.love slash askdan right now while that question or comment is fresh in your mind. Or you can use the voice memo app on your phone and email your question or comment to q at savage.love. Or you can pretend it's the 1990s and call our landline at 206-302-2064. December 8th is almost here. That is the deadline for submissions for Hump 2024. It is not too late to make a brilliant short porn movie for my brilliant porn film festival. Some of the most amazing Hump films that have come in over the years were filmed on iPhones at the last minute. Go to humpfilmfest.com to learn how to submit your dirty little masterpiece to my dirty little film festival. And if you need some inspiration, check out your streaming options for Hump festivals past and present at humpfilmfest.com. Follow me on Instagram and threads at Dan Savage. Follow me on Blue Sky at Dan Savage. For all things Vienna Ferrum, check out viennaferrum.com. That's V-I-E-N-N-A-P-H-A-R-A-O-N.com. You can also find her on Instagram at MindfulMFT. That's M-I-N-D-F-U-L-M-F-T. Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Artunian and me and Nancy and the tech savvy at risk youth. We'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you so much for downloading. Meh.